the Five Star Zone with Rico Beer and Howard Griffin. Welcome to another edition of the Five Star Zone. Rico Beer and Howard Griffith on the other side. And Howard, um, hey, let's just jump right into this, man. The Big Ten, not a great slate of games for this week. I think next week is the week that's going to be something tasty. I look at it for me. I, my the game that I think is probably the biggest game is, is Minnesota and Penn State. Uh, I think Minnesota, you know, still has that something to prove it, and that Penn State really has to see if they can pick themselves up off the mat because last year, man, they started five and zero, and once they lost to Iowa, their season kind of spiraled out of control. They have Ohio State next week. They got Minnesota, which I probably thought that thought at the beginning of the season this was going to be one of those gimme games. Yeah, it, it, it's not. You know, it, the Vegas is saying this is going to be a tight game. You know, what, what do you think? Because for me, I, I think this game, if you're Penn State, you you can't lose this thing and then play Ohio State, man. Because at that point, I, I feel like your season, you, you may end up just it's maybe just a, a downward spiral. Yeah, you're right about that. This is a, a get-right game, particularly after, you know, the way they got beat up and dominated last week. How is this team going to respond? And, you know, to me, that's the biggest biggest question. Um, you know, this is a, a good Penn State team, but the way they played last week, you know, starts to, to put a little doubt, not only in, you know, the minds of the people that are watching, but also you, you have to believe inside. They're starting to wonder, okay, is this where we're going again? Are, are we getting rid of our season? We got off to a great start. Is it about to spiral out of control right now? You know, but I, th- I think they've got a veteran squad. They've got a good coaching staff. They've got to bounce back. And you don't know what the availability of Tanner Morgan is going to be. Yeah. You know, the flip side of that, too, is that the defense for Minnesota has not been playing as well as they played earlier in the season. The last couple of weeks, they've been giving up a lot of yardage. So Penn State's got an opportunity, but, but they've got to be firing on all cylinders. And they cannot allow, no matter who's your quarterback in Minnesota, they can't allow this team to stick around to the end because Minnesota's a well-coached team as well. They are, and, and you're right. It, I guess a lot does depend. I think uh, last I saw, Tanner Morgan was questionable. You, you got to see because, I, I mean, I, I saw them firsthand when they came to East Lansing, and I, I was like, wow. I, I didn't think Minnesota could be that good. Now, I don't know if everything just clicked that day or MSU was just that bad, but... That Tanner Morgan just looked like he was on fire. He could do nothing wrong. So, yeah, that's the game that I'm looking at for, for Clifford. You know, Penn State had to wave the white flag. They brought the backup QB in, Clifford. You know, I'm sure he's going to be out there ready to go and try to get that bad taste out of his mouth from last week. But, yeah, this is the game that I think it's at home for Penn State. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that this is the one that I, I'm really kind of looking at because – you know, Minnesota's still in the hunt to try to get to Indianapolis for that first time. Penn State, you know, you, you can still kind of play spoiler, and you can still, you beat Ohio State, and, and you can try to force a three-way tie. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked at the tiebreaker in the Big Ten, but my goodness, man, it... it, it a lot goes into it. Wow, does a lot go into it. Because last year, when it looked like it, it may have been a three-way tie... So we were trying to figure out, like, well, can Michigan State win this thing? And it was just like, I think after the eighth tiebreaker, it was going to be Ohio State. Had Ohio State beat Michigan, Ohio State would have went to Indy, but it would have gone all the way to the eighth tiebreaker in order to figure that thing out. So, no, they do not 
make it easy at all. So if you're in the Big Ten, just win your games. Trust me, you don't want to get the tie. Yeah, and for me, I got to be honest with you. For me, I I get into the tiebreaker a little bit, but I don't go that deep. I rely upon our great researcher here on Shelton, Michigan State (laughs) alum, to take care of me when it comes to that department. With with everything that's concerning stats, he takes care of us. But, yeah, it it gets dicey. But I'm going to tell you something. The other tricky good game, though, that's out there in the West is this Purdue-Wisconsin game. I was going to bring that up next. Uh, Wisconsin's not playing really well at all. But this is a chance for Purdue, you know, having to go on the road, trying to make some things happen, uh, and, and trying to be more consistent because they've been giving up a lot of leaky yardage uh, on the defensive side as well. But, you know, when they're humming offensively, in which they've started to, to run the football a lot better, uh, you know, this will be an interesting game too because this is a Badgers team that, you know, kind of you don't know what you're going to get out of them either. They're not playing well in the offensive line defensively. They're nowhere near what they used to be in previous years. So this is a team that's got a lot of stuff going on, but Purdue is an inconsistent team. When you talk about looking at penalty yardage, when you talk about looking at turnovers, this is a game where they have to play clean too because Illinois is off this week. So Purdue's got to have an opportunity to you know go in and, and, and have a good feeling about themselves going on the road getting a win. Yeah, Howard, how does a team like Wisconsin lose what made them Wisconsin? You always can count on Wisconsin at offensive linemen. You never heard of them, but they just just cranked them out. Like they fell off a tree, and there was another one. It's like DJ Collard, another one, and another one, and another one. And all of a sudden, you're looking like, what, this is Wisconsin? Like, how? I, I guess it's probably led to the demise of Paul Chris, but how does that happen in a program that's known for running the ball and for having these big, ugly offensive linemen who could just push people around? Well, let's go into it a little bit. I mean, you start to dig a little deeper, and you have to remember that Joe Rudolph, who was also their offensive coordinator, uh, was their offensive line coach, was unbelievable uh, putting these guys together. He's no longer there. Bolstad, who was on, the, I believe, the defensive side last year, has come back, and now he's coaching the offensive line but I wasn't concerned about that either because when uh, Brett Bielema was running the program, he was, uh, most of that was the, the offensive line coach and they were playing really well at that point. But, you know, it's a lot going on. It has to be a lot going on internally inside of the program that we're just not hearing about because this is, this is just not uh, characteristic of, of teams that we've seen in the past, no matter how many players they've lost off the offense and the defense they still have been able to go out and play at a high level. We're not seeing that at all. I mean, right now, it's almost like a head scratcher when you watch this team play because you don't know what you're going to get. Right. It's like when I watch Alabama, and I'm like, this secondary for Alabama is god-awful. And you're looking at yourself like, you're Nick Saban. I mean, you have nothing but five stars on top of five stars on top of five stars. And you're giving up 52 points in a game and losing, and that's not the first time. I mean, if Quinn Ewers stays in the game with Texas, he mm-hmm. probably would have got a ton of points. Like, I guess I just chalk it up to sometimes you just, you know, the the class doesn't develop as fast enough, and, you know, that's we have such a high standard for certain teams that, yeah, they fall off because when I think of Wisconsin and when I think of Iowa, Mm-hmm. I, I just think of offensive teams that, you know, you're probably looking at a bunch of guys that's going to the league for playing offensive linemen. But, yeah, watching Wisconsin was, was it, it was a little puzzling because I almost, 
if it wasn't for the jersey and, and the and the red W on the helmet, I, I may not have known who they were last week when I saw them playing up against Michigan State. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. Now, I think the other thing that, that plays into this is, you know, transfer portal is a big part of it too. You, you're having players that are coming into your program uh, that are not accustomed to doing things the way, you know, they've been done in the past, right? And yes, they're coming in and they're they're buying into your current philosophy there. That's true, but they haven't had to go through some of the growing pains that you have to go through as you when you're coming through a program and you're a developmental program because places like Iowa, places like Illinois, you know, places like Wisconsin, they are developmental programs where they're getting players in there and they have to develop them. And when by the time they become you know, call it redshirt sophomores or juniors. I mean, they're humming on all cylinders, and and you're starting to think that. I think once we look look back and probably you know have have a look into what these rosters are really looking like, you're, you'll find that you know they're having to plug in some guys that aren't used to being in the program and, and may come to the program with you know some different ideas of how things how they want to do things and, and how they want to go, go out and produce it and play as well. Uh, Howard, we we kind of touched upon a little bit. This topic last time we we spoke, but with the Big Ten expansion coming up, because it, you know if you go on the Big Ten schedules for next year, there are no schedules, so <laughs> we don't know who's playing who. Yeah. Now, okay. On a side note, and I'm telling you, man, you need to use all the power and influence that you have at the BTN because I think during COVID, COVID sucked for a lot of people, but a lot of good ideas came out of necessity through COVID. And I thought one was if the Big Ten just did a reveal show of the schedule, like right after the spring games, and just everybody would be watching this. Everybody would be hanging on because that's what they did last year in the summer. We found out the schedules. But I'm like, right now, you, you can't really make plans because you don't know who's playing who in what weeks. Is this because, is it possible that USC and UCLA could be joining the Big Ten as soon as next year? Is, is that a possibility, or am I, am I reading too much into this? You know, I think it's fair uh, to speculate on that, but but I think right now, when, when you look at it, at least from the, service, uh, the surface, I don't have any inside information to it, but when you start to look at, at grant of rights deals and television and all of those things, um, come on, Howard. I mean, you, you, I mean, you you got an office right now from 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 uh, from uh, from from uh, Warren, man. You, you, know, you know what? To be honest, I'm probably about thirty minutes from Kevin Warren's office when I'm in studio. But listen, I, I think they're looking at every avenue. Um, I, I think they're going to make sure that this works out when you, you talk about bringing in. You know, those, those programs, USC and UCLA, um, it looks like it's going to be difficult, though, just from the surface of what I'm seeing. But you never know. We've learned in college athletics to this point to, to expect the unexpected. And, you know, when, it's, when the dollars that we're talking about are, are so large, there's no telling. You put lawyers together, they try to they kind of figure out a way to make it happen. But... You know, right now it looks like it's going to be tough to do, but I get what you're saying, though. It's fascinating to do some of those uh, reveal shows, too, when you talk about looking at, at expansion, because now all of a sudden, who wouldn't want to know that they're getting ready to go out to, to California and play USC or, or UC, uh, UCLA? Those are going to be some unbelievable games, and SC traveling right. to, the, to the Big Ten and UCLA as well, traveling uh, into the Midwest to play games. You know, they have some some crazy fans. We think we got, you know, crazy fans here in this conference. 
I can tell you, these SC fans are out of their mind. <laughs> okay. Just how much fun and how much passion they have about their program, and they travel really well. All right, because I, I was about to say, come on, man. We, we can't be disingenuous. Yes, SC, yes. <laughs> UCLA, Plenty of seats available. Yeah. I'll just put it like that. They don't go to their own stadium. UCLA does not go to their own stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, you could order a pizza and everybody would get a slice. That's how small the crowds are. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'll say this: I do know that fan base will be traveling. Um, yeah, it, it's tough. Yeah, and we've been talking about what they've been talking about. You know, just attendance. There, but you know, I, I'll tell you this. But it, for USC, the same thing sometimes. But when that program, when USC rolls, I mean, they're the hottest ticket in LA, yeah. uh, and that includes whether it's the Lakers, the Clippers, any any movie star that's out there. They're all trying to be a part of the program, and, and Lincoln Riley brings that kind of cachet that everybody wants to be around. Back to the days when Pete Carroll was roaming the sidelines and. You know, they, they even created some rules when Pete Carroll was there because it would be so many people packed and jammed onto that sideline. Uh, the, you know, stars want to be seen and they want right. to be associated with a great program. Now, see, the thing is, though, I think with the college football playoff expansion, I know there's a lot of money on the table. Mm-hmm. But I, I somehow, if I were a betting man, I would put money that both of those teams may stay in the Pac-12 because... Yeah, you're turning down a lot of money, and that's going to be something. But it was almost like UCLA forgot to ask their parents, can they come over and play? Because you, you, California, well, you you know, University of California was like, whoa, 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 who told you you can go anywhere? You, I, you didn't get my permission. So that's a little sticking point out there. And, and I just wonder if the fact that if the playoffs, they're expanding to 12 teams, Mm-hmm. If you have an opportunity, if, if you USC, you got a better chance of making the playoffs staying put. You don't have the wear and tear with the travel. And, you, I mean, you know your opponents, you know the territory, because the flip side to that, as I look at, is, you know, when Penn State and Nebraska joined the Big Ten, each team thought, oh, this will be easy. We'll win a bunch mm-hmm. of titles. And this hasn't, Penn State's won, I think, what, one flat out, outright Big Ten title? Nebraska hasn't hasn't yeah. been what they thought it was going to be, and I gotta wonder if, in looking at it, if all of a sudden you just kind of want to get this relationship annulled. You know what? No harm, no foul. Let's not consummate this deal, and we just gonna be friends, and you'll stay out here, and we'll stay on the West Coast. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. Okay. I, I think when you talk about, yeah, I, I just think that you know it, the, the money is too the money's too large. Uh, and, and I think when you go back and you think about why they, those two programs, historic programs, moved in the first place, because it was too much uncertainty when it came down to the television do- dollars and where uh, ultimately the Pac-12 was going. Uh, and I, I think this is really what's happening throughout all college athletics when you're talking about programs outside of the Big Ten and the SEC. Programs are trying to make sure that, that financially they're going to be in the best position they can be in because it's just not the football program. They need to be able to support the other programs as well. So, you know, I don't think there's any turn the other way. I would say this, though. SC is much further along, I would say, and prepared to, to make that move than, let's say, Nebraska was. I mean, because Nebraska has been, they've been having their issues as far as, you know, the recruiting landscape and that sort of thing. 
uh, and right, maybe but the right person in there to make it happen. Right, but Nebraska was don't have any problem recruiting the best athletes, not just on the West Coast, but in the country. So I think SC will be able to compete right away once they get into the conference. But see, I thought, like, Nebraska was fresh off an Indomitian Sioux, uh, mm-hmm. his hype, and then they joined the Big Ten, and I thought, okay, this is going to be something, but I think that was a detriment of them because by moving to the Big Ten, they lost out on their Texas base because now, yep. if you're a kid from Texas, you know, nobody's going to see you play, whereas if you played in, in the Big 12, there's Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, there's Baylor, TCU. Like, you were going to stay within that state. And I just was wondering the same, like, okay, yeah, you're USC, but, you know, a lot of these West Coast kids, are, are they... Yeah, it looks great because trust me, I'm sure whenever you look at the schedule and you're like, oh, we get to go out to play SC or UCLA in November, everybody from Rutgers to Wisconsin, they're packing up all of their stuff and they're going out there. But it works the flip side. Like, yeah, those Southern California teams are going to have to go to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. go to Minnesota, and it, it may be cold. And I mean, do you think that can, you know, maybe some recruits are like, I don't know if I want to go necessarily that route because like I said when 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 Nebraska joined they lost their Texas fan base I mean their Texas recruiting base do you think that could happen with SC and UCLA I'm not so sure about UCLA I think UCLA may have a tougher road to to travel more so than than USC does because of what Lincoln Riley has brought there and what he's already accomplished and then just the, the, historically what SC can do and has done and, and I think that's why it's important when you start to think about, okay, well, who, what are the other pieces that the Big Ten would add, right? You talk about USC and UCLA, that's that West Coast corridor. They, they're in there. Now, whether, they're, whether they can get northern Cal, uh, California and the northern part of, uh, of the country, that'll be in uh, West. Okay, uh, let's, 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 let's just cut to the chase, Howard. Let's cut to the chase. Oregon and Washington are the other two teams that I think a lot of Big Ten teams a lot of fans want to see. I mean, if you're going to raid the Pac-12, let's do it right. Let's not half-step. No offense to Cal and, and, and Stanford, great academic schools. Yep. But now you want to see the Ducks and you want to see the Huskies. You bring those four teams in, and I think you have something. But it, if they expand and bring in extra teams, now comes the whole, how do you align these things? Do you just go... You know, nine, what would it be? At that point, is it 18 teams at that point? So I guess nine and nine. So everybody just plays their division and everybody else plays their division. And and you just then, you know, the two champions meet up in Indianapolis or wherever it happens to be that year. Mm -hmm. Or do you just go divisionalist and just say, you know what, round robin, and we're just going to try to make up the schedules each year. Like, that's because once you start adding teams, I mean, it's, it looks great until you have to figure out, okay, how do we make this fair and equitable? Because you're going to have people like Ohio State and Michigan saying, I don't care what you do, as long as we play on the last Saturday at noon in November, you guys can do whatever you want. And you got other teams who, if you go that route, I look at Indiana and Purdue. They're going to lose their rivalry because they're in different conferences. Now, they're in different divisions. They'll never get a chance to play each other again, unless it's for the title. Yeah, I think alignment is, is, is coming. I, I, I personally think we're, getting, we're going to get away from divisions, and it's, it's going to be one, and you know, they'll, they'll work through the schedule, but they're going to be able to take 
the top two, top three teams are going to have a chance to go in and play in the, the, the playoffs. Well, you'll have, obviously, the top two will play in the Big Ten championship game, but that third team may have an opportunity to play um, you know, in the, fourth, uh, the expanded playoffs, which is, which is important. And I think that's the direction that they ultimately want to go. Here's the other thing that, that I think when we talk about expansion, you talk about these super conferences, the other side is the television partner, right? It, it sounds good that, you know, it could be whoever it is. Could be Washington, Oregon, whether it's Notre Dame, who it doesn't matter, the team. But I think from the television side, when you talk about revenue, at some point it becomes, you get to the point of diminishing returns. So you can keep adding, but that doesn't automatically mean revenues are going to be right. uh, added up as well. So, you know, you're sitting there and you're saying, well, if we get to 20, What's the difference, the revenue difference between, you know, the total revenue between 20 teams and 18? You know, the, that's the side that television is looking at. And, and I know from fans, you know, we're like, well, in conferences, you're looking at, well, get as many teams as you can and that make the super conferences and you do some of those things. But I think we're also getting to the point where uh, the television partners are looking at it. What's the return? Because we can talk about all the money that's being paid out to these conferences. At the end of the day, the television partners are the ones that have to write the check. Correct. So they have to be able to also see uh, the returns and, and what the benefits will be to continue to add teams. And I think that's why you see conferences and television partners coming together so that they can go out and try to make the best business decision uh, for all parties involved. You know, it's funny you said that, Howard, because uh, let's, let's end this with this because... Maybe it'll take television to, 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 I guess, make this make sense to me. Because mm -hmm. I think with the expansion and, the, you know, the super conferences coming up, you're going to say, well, look at all the teams we have to play in our conference. So our non-conference games is basically going to be against Little Sisters of the Poor and, you know, teams that the fans really don't care about. Because when I look at it now, it's it's almost a race to the bottom to see who can find the worst teams that they can play for non-conference, kind of pad your stats, and then you get ready for your conference. But then, you know, you, you have low attendance. There's a lot of things that happen. Will it take the, the, the TV networks to say, okay, guys, you know what? We got an expanded playoff. And I think in college football especially, yeah. you got to break the fact that, okay, you can have you should be able to have a team with two or three losses in the expanded playoff because you play some good teams and you may have lost to those good teams on the road. It won't hurt you. I mean, I guess in a roundabout way, what I'm saying is, do you think that the TV, I mean, the, the TV stations and the networks can just simply say, we need better non-conference games. We need some marquee things to show in September because the stuff we have now, we, we kind of starting to scrape the bottom of the chili pot. You know, I'm all about the marquee matchups. I, I know some coaches may not like that, obviously, because of, you know, the, the, the conferences they're in and the tough schedules that they pay. But I think you're right when you start talking about, you know, what, it, what does it look like? And I think the other side of it, too, is this. Um, I don't know for a fact, but it, it, it makes sense to me that the reason you saw, you would see some of, uh, whether it was Illinois playing, you know, Northern Illinois, that doesn't really happen. But whether you were seeing some of your, your bigger schools play some of your smaller schools, to me, it, what it was trying to do was 
also put some revenue into those smaller schools' yeah. pockets as well. And, and and I get that because you know because I, I think when Mark Hollis was here at Michigan State, he mm-hmm. did the thing with all the local in-state schools, yeah. the regional schools. That I understand because my thing is this. I'm not saying you got to have three marquee games, but I do think that every team should have one marquee non-conference game to kind of judge you against the rest of the other conferences. And I think that that can only help you when it comes to splitting hairs. Because like this year, let's just say you got a whole bunch of teams with one loss. I've Mm -hmm. said for the longest, Michigan with one loss, and let's say they lose to Ohio State. Probably not going to get in because I look at your non-conference schedule and then I look at another team that actually plays some people on the road. Let's say it's Oregon and your one loss was to Georgia this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to give the nod to Oregon because you actually went out and played somebody. Whereas, you know, Michigan and, you know, you didn't. So, yeah, I think that could be a feather in the cap when it comes down to to picking those teams. Because as you know, I mean, you've seen it with, when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can keep expanding, but it's always going to be that fringe teams on the outside, on the bubble, waiting to see if they did just enough to get in. And when they go to twelve, yeah, we'll probably know ten teams in. But the final two slots could probably get divided up between five teams, and that's why all your politics start happening. That's why I think yeah. if if you get that that. You know, you play a marquee game, that could be the difference. Like, yeah, you know, we went to Texas and we beat Texas. You know what? You're right. You're in. Yeah, I think it's. I think what your, your points are valid. No, no question about it. Um, I would add this to the marquee games. I want the marquee games on campus. I don't yes. want them in you know a neutral site. Uh, the neutral <laughs> venues. I mean, that, that's great for after the season. Yeah, but I would like to see marquee games take place on, on campus. Like the you know, what we what we're going to see um, with with the playoffs. They, they, those games are able to happen on campus that you can start to bring. You know, some schools from that are not in your region, yeah. uh, in your region, because I, I think when you talk about the, the 12 teams that, that would make a playoff, you, you're talking about fan bases that are going to want to to venture out and have a chance to uh, explore some other places. I, I think that's a big part of it. But the feather in the cap, it, it's there. I, I think there's always going to be resistance um, just from the standpoint of the people are going to say, listen, we, we plan a, a, a monster conference schedule. We've got to have an opportunity to get ready. Yeah, you do, but the reality is, is you know, this thing is going to be driven yeah. uh, by television, and, and you're going to have to to get in it and, and be involved in it to to really be able to take advantage of it. Now, yeah. you know, the SEC has been able to to do it their way for a while. But they see, really I, have, I, so. I like when Wisconsin took on and, and played uh, LSU, and they played them at Lambeau. Like, man, mm-hmm. I, I didn't care about either team. But I wanted to watch that game because I'm like, okay, two different styles that normally don't play because that's the beauty of college football. In the NFL, as you know, you played in it. Everybody's the same. Every game is somewhere between, you know, seven to to three points the winner because everybody runs the same offenses and defense. Mm -hmm. But colleges is all about the styles of a Navy, you know, running the triple option or, you know, the air raid attack at Texas Tech. And you want to see, you know, which style wins out that's what I like to see when when it comes to those marquee matchups. And yeah, it'd be cool if you saw, you know, Illinois going up against Florida State. All mm-hmm. right. Never would have put those two together, but you know what? Let's watch this. Let's see what happens. The other thing, when they expand the playoffs, and I know they've been talking about this, I really hope that they do play, as you said, 
the first round of games on campuses. I think, because I know they're like, well, maybe they'll go neutral site in the north. And I'm like, no, because I think that would give the northern teams an advantage that the southern teams get every year in the bowl games because it's perfect weather. They're used to that. And it's, but okay, imagine if you have to go to Minnesota in the second or third week of December to play your playoff game. If you're LSU, if you're Auburn, if you're Texas A&M, you're probably not happy about that, and that gives Minnesota an advantage if Minnesota has earned that right to be team five through eight. I, I don't want them to play. You know, it's cool, I guess, looking for revenue. Like, well, we could put the game in, you know, in Indianapolis or some neutral spot. I'd rather just be on the campus, reward those teams, because I've often thought that the Big Ten teams always got shafted when they had to play in the bowl games because it was always the weather. Like, the weather could be a factor. Looking at Minnesota, imagine... I mean, just think about it. Imagine if if last year, uh, I'm trying to think, Georgia had to come up to to play Michigan in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. That would be a different feel than playing inside of a dome. And it is. And to me, it's, and I guess I look at it from the fan perspective as well. I want to see those big fan bases travel to, to you know, whether it's Iowa, whether it's Michigan, Columbus, you know, uh, you know, we have some great venues, Wisconsin. They're great venues that are out there. To the Big House, to Michigan State, they're out there. But, but that to me is that's the biggest part, and that's the big key to it. To be able to host a home game, mm-hmm. man, that, that's going to be exciting to me. And, and you talk, yeah, is it an advantage? Sure, it is. Right. But, but this is this is the game. This is what the game is all about. And. Um, you got to be able to go out and be able to see if your if your philosophy, if your way of playing travels, you know, north to south, east to west. It's, it's one of those things. But listen, I, I think this expansion is going to be great. Um, is it going to be some pitfalls? Are people still going to be upset if, if your team thirteen and fourteen? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, but I mean, Howard. I often say this. Okay, you can't put three people in a room and tell them to order a two topping pizza. <laughs> You, you can't. I mean, no one's ever going to be happy. There's got to be compromises there. But it, it is something, I think if they do it right, I, honestly, I think had they done this at the very beginning, and I was one of the few people who said, man, you should expand this thing and take it to eight teams to start off. I mm-hmm. think if if you would have done that, I don't think you would have had these the teams leaving conferences because you could have stayed in the Big 12 if you're Texas and Oklahoma and you would have automatically gone every year because you would take the conference champion. You would have yeah. take, you know, and you would leave spots open for teams like Notre Dame or independent teams or the best group of five team to make it in there. I thought that was the smartest thing to do, but apparently, I mean, you know, when it comes to college football and that smart people don't always pan out, they just go. And then later on, it's like, you know, I think we should expand. Yep, you know what? Hey, welcome to when I told you guys about 10 years ago. This was mm-hmm. a bad idea. Now you're trying to stop the bleeding, and it, it may be a little too late because, yeah, the super conferences are here. I think mm-hmm. I think it's really going to kick in when, when all of a sudden you see Texas and, 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 and Oklahoma under the SEC banner. Because right yeah. now you know it's coming. Or like when all of a sudden, you know, that the commercial they do on the Big Ten Network where they started the Rose Bowl, well, now uh-huh. you're going to have two teams pop up in California uh-huh. and they keep traveling across the country. I think that's when reality kicks in, Howard, so. Yeah, I think there's no question about it when you start to see it because you, you look at the marquee programs that, that have made those jumps, those four schools 
uh, I mean, you know, they are historically historic powerhouses uh, in not necessarily just in football all the time, but but in all sports. And and I think that's a big part of it. I think it will be it will be reality. But what it also what it also tells us is just how important uh, dollars yeah. are, uh, how important stability is. Um, because that's that's what you you've seen. You've seen four teams move that are historic powers that are that are great institutions, but because there was so much uncertainty where they were, they needed to make a move to make sure that, that their programs were on solid footing. And, and that's what we're we're continuing to see. And listen, expansion, I, I don't believe it's over. I don't think most people believe it's over. Uh, and it's something that we're going to continue to watch, but the playoffs are going to be exciting. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing what some of these teams this weekend, you know, have to do and they can, you know, bounce back and see what they can do as well. Yeah, me too. But I'm telling you, if we end up, if Oregon and Washington come in, I mean, maybe you go with the original nine and the other nine for the big tens. Take the original nine teams. That's the conference. And then the latest nine to come in and they would be on the other side. So. That would be my thing. Yeah. Hey, by the yeah, it's way, but it's fun to speculate on what's going to happen. Right? I know, right? Hey, quick trivia question: Do you know who would be the, I guess, the number one team in the other nine division? Who was the last team to get admitted into the Big Ten? Ooh, whoa! Because remember, I didn't say the original ten; I said the original nine. Yeah. So that means one team would have to move and go and play with the new new kids on the block. Last team admitted that made it 10 because Chicago left Michigan State. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. (laughs) There you go. A little bit of trivia for the day. A little bit of trivia. All right, man. Hey, Howard, appreciate it. Uh, Let's hook back up again next week. Uh, For Howard, this is Rico. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching the Five Star Zone. Make sure you tell your friends, click, like, subscribe. Whatever you got to do, just help us keep this thing going. We'll be back next week. uh, And a lot of big games coming up next week. Howard, take it easy, man. Have a good weekend. All right, you too. Take care. All right.